that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to another week of Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Maurice. It's Nathan Baird. It's Stephen Means. It's the Tuesday podcast. We go Tuesday through Saturday now. You guys know that. And we're going to play off the Super Bowl where it's like the last, you know, like football's over. So we're going to hold on to the last vestiges of an actual football game. And we're going to talk about NFL Buckeyes today. And what I think is an interesting way, and we have our texters involved, we're ranking the 10 best Buckeyes in the NFL. And what I think is fun about this for listeners, Nathan, is there are a lot of them. This is not like, oh, man, I had a hard time finding 10. This is like you're waiting through like legitimately like 30 to 40 impactful NFL guys who played at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I think you can go at least like 25 strong of guys who are, are not just in the NFL, but are like doing good things in the NFL. Um, some of them may be waning a little bit at the bottom of that list. But I mean, certainly like 20 strong of guys that like if they were to make a top 10, I wouldn't think it was like ridiculous. Not guys who are getting cut at the end of training camp, like all prototype players. Established guys. Place. Yeah, there are. Uh, I counted up using PFF. um like the number of defenders who played at least a hundred snaps. And there were 20 of them from Ohio state. And that was 2.8% of the defenders in the NFL who played at least a hundred snaps were from Ohio state. So that's like, and that's a wide range. And that's including like Nick Bosa was hurt basically the whole year. Malik Hooker was hurt basically the whole year. Those are like two big time guys from Ohio State who were not a factor in the NFL this year. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you got, um, I had one, two, three, four, five, six offensive linemen that played at least 400 snaps. You had, you know, like probably about eight to 10 skill guys who are really important. And the one place that's interesting, which is why Justin Fields is such an interesting part of Ohio state football is you're still a little short at QB. It's like Dwayne Haskins. You thought Dwayne Haskins was going to like sort of fix this and he got cut. And so, you know, he's not a top 10 player in the NFL. So at the end, I did put this together just for the heck of it. I put together my Ohio state starting 22 in the NFL. And I will reveal that at the end. I think everybody, everybody's would be basically the same, but we can say like, do you think, and people have done this, could they win a Super Bowl? Which is like, well, you know, who could win a Super Bowl, by the way? And I think Steven, you tweeted about this last night, LSU. Yeah. Like LSU guys were all <laughs> over the Super Bowl. And it's like, oh, well then you play Joe Burrow at quarterback. And then you give them Odell Beckham Jr. And Jarvis Landry and Justin Jefferson at receiver. In addition to all the guys who like, LSU, it's it's LSU can do it. Bama can do it. But there are Ohio State, Stephen, is among the fairly small handful of teams, I would think, that you can make a complete, very competitive NFL team from their alumni. But Ohio State's certainly one of them. Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, quarterback being the one place where it's like, all right, um, are we going to start the guy who hasn't, who technically isn't an NFL employee yet? Or do we start the guy who just got cut? Or do we start a guy who has only been on practice? So that's the only spot where it's, it's questionable. But, yeah, first of all, LSU has a running back room in the Super Bowl. They had a running back room in the Super Bowl. But, yeah, Ohio State could probably compete with them. Alabama could probably compete with them. USC in the early days, could, not now, but 2000s USC could compete. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure at the moment. Clemson hasn't had quite the length of doing it, so I'm not Just sure if they could or not. There. 
yeah. and quarterbacks. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because part of this too, is there are still some guys, you know, Trestle era guys who are still very productive NFL players from Ohio state as people know. And then obviously the, the urban onslaught of raising that level and just getting guys in here. And again, I said this many times, this is not how it was 10 years ago. There was a time for as good as Ohio state was, they were just not filling the NFL with impactful guys. And they certainly are doing that now. So play along at home, make your list of top 10. If you want to pause this right now, when I sent it out to the texters, I said, this is, I sent them 20 players and said, rank these 20 guys. And I could have sent probably 30 or 35, but there was a limit of 20. And also that's just too many anyway. But I said, this is the most texting has ever felt like homework. Cause it's like, you're going through guys and you're ranking them with your finger. And I, I know it did, but we still got a good response here. And I just, I told people, I don't want you to like go research PFF scores to do this. I just want your perception of how you view these NFL guys. And I made my list without looking at that list. And I will tell you my top nine is the same as their top nine. So there is kind of a somewhat clear, we're different on number 10. There's somewhere, sort of a somewhat clear top group. So we'll run through that top group. We'll run through some other guys at the end, but we'll just go through this. We'll just have people start with their number 10. And then, you know, we'll say, well, where did you have this guy? Where did you have that guy? So Steven, we'll start with you. Who was your number 10 on the list of the 10 best Buckeyes in the NFL? And then we'll tell you where the texters and I had them and Nathan had them. Go ahead, Steven. I put Chase at number 10. I mean, defensive rookie of the year, the fourth book out to do that in the past five years, seven and a half sacks, four forced force fumbles, four fumble recoveries, and he returned one for a touchdown. I mean, Chase got drafted there, and through all that quarterback controversy and all that they had going on, the Washington football team still run the, won the NFL, uh, the NFC East, and got into the playoff after having the second worst record in the league last year. So I'm putting Chase there. That's an important position, defensive end, and what he was able to accomplish in year one as a rookie. I mean, yeah, I'm putting Chase Young at number 10. I agree. Why is he that low on your list? So I had some, like, criteria. It's, yes, you did it in year one. It's like some of these guys have been doing it in years three, four, five, six, seven, twelve. 12. So it's, it's just – through no fault of his own, it's just I, I added in the consistency of been able to do it over time and not just a, having a one year blip because you know there's not a some blip, guys, not a blip, but not a blip. just doing it. Just yeah, it's not going to be a blip at all. That guy's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I just I catered more to the people who have been doing it for more years. Okay, so now we're going to get into semantics of like what best means. I'm talking about like how well you are playing right now in the NFL. Now I'm not only saying. You know, there are a couple like superstar Buckeyes who weren't as good this year as they normally are. So I'm not saying I'm doing it only on one year, but I did not penalize Chase Young for only doing it for one year because I thought everything he did was real and he's only going to get better. And so when you talk about the best players right now, I had him fourth and so did the texters. So Nathan, where did you have Chase Young on your list? I had him fifth, but it was close. I almost put him fourth. Um, and I think the one, I guess the one quibble I'd have with the way that Steven described it is I just don't know how many other guys are doing what, like, I understand what he's saying about guys who've been doing it more, but they haven't been doing what Chase Young did. They haven't been maybe necessarily impacting the game the way Chase Young did this past season. Um, they're, they're strong. They're productive NFL players. Um, you know, they, they, they deserve the, the accolades that they get, but I think, Young immediately was special in a way that there's other guys on this list that are not. 
And I think um, it, the, you can make an immediate impact in the NFL at certain positions that they're, you know, mm-hmm. now the, if you look at, I mean, obviously Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa are guys we're going to discuss. You can also look at guys and say, I mean, you also do get better. So chase as good as he was, is only going to get better at that position. So um, I think it's, we're, we're in the same general area here and I'll be interesting to see. I mean, we, you're allowed to have your own definition of what best means to you. Um, so, okay. So chase young 10th for Steven, fifth for Nathan, fourth for me, fourth for the texters, Nathan, who's your number 10. Number 10 for me was actually really close between like three or four guys. And I ended up with Denzel Ward at number 10. Um, a guy who has really, I think, settled into this, like, definitely, like, above-average NFL player, right? And, and and obviously, the contributions he made this year for a team that helped push the Browns to a different level, that's where he had some separation for me from some of the other guys that I was considering at that spot. So I did go by when the one of the texters suggested this. I did go – I got all the PFF grades for all these guys. And listen, the PFF grades are not the end-all, be-all. They are a guide. Chase, among Ohio State players, had the fourth highest PFF grade this year. Denzel had the 10th highest PFF grade this year. So Denzel Ward at 10 for Nathan. Where did you have Denzel, Nathan? Did you have him in the top 10? Or Steven, I mean, where'd you have have Denzel? Uh, Yeah, he was nine for me. Quality corner, doing it for a couple years. And yeah, he was also he was also nine for me. Um, so pretty in agreement on that. And I will say for the texters, Denzel was number seven. So here's the thing. Denzel's had a couple injury issues. I think he was a pro bowler as a rookie. He does have number one corner ability, right? I mean, that's, and I think the Browns are going to end up paying him like that. He's just hasn't, he hasn't, I don't think consistently shown that game after game after game, like for a whole year yet. But Denzel, at his best, is elite. And I think if he can do that consistently, I think he has the coverage skills. He made some great plays in the run game this year. I think he's a clear top 10 guy here, partly because, I mean, he was number four pick in the draft. I thought the Browns reached a little bit, went a little early on him, but I think he has justified that pick with the way he has played. And I think he's going to get paid. Um, I think just, I think, I think he has a chance to like be one of the best corners in the league. He just has to be a little more consistent at it, but he's really good. And again, like I think this says something about Ohio state that Denzel Ward for what he is, he's a really important part. He's probably like the, I don't know, fifth or sixth most important player on a playoff team for the Browns. And he's like ninth or 10th on this list, right? I mean, I think this goes to the depth of the talent for Buckeyes in the NFL that we're talking about. All right, I'll go to my number 10. And I struggled here. I'll be curious because I'm a a little off with you guys on, you definitely have some people in that I don't have in. And I'll be curious to see who that is. My number 10 is Taylor Decker. And that was very close uh, between a couple other people. And we can get into some of the people who didn't make the list later, but he graded out as like the sixth or seventh best left tackle in the league this year. Um, He just, he had a really good year this year. He had the fifth highest PFF grade 82.0 among all Buckeyes. He plays in a really important position, left tackle. He's been consistent and he's gotten better in the last couple years. So I'll, I actually will say, I think there was a little bit for me, at least a little bit of a cutoff 
at the top nine that I had Denzel nine. And then when I was looking for number 10, there was kind of a, a group of guys who weren't quite at the elite elite level of the top nine. So that's where I went to Taylor Decker who had his best year and plays an important position. Did you, either of you guys have Taylor Decker in your top 10? I have number seven. I have number seven as well. All right. So that surprises me a little bit. Nathan, why do you have Taylor Decker number seven? I think I may have, again, we're taking kind of a snapshot. I did look at the PFF grades, but I also looked at them over the past four or five years. I mean, you're trying to get a progression of which guys have been more consistent, which is one of the reasons why I gave Denzel Ward kind of the tiebreaker over some other guys. Um, but Decker getting that kind of boost up into the, that kind of score this year. I think if you're taking a snapshot right now, like who did their jobs best in 2020, he's on the, the short list of Ohio State guys who did their jobs best. And at an important spot, again, not that it's, right. you know, I, like mm-hmm. I had a guy, well, I'll be curious if you, I had another offensive lineman in there, but in the consideration, and he just wasn't quite the same. He's not a tackle, so he lost out a little bit. Taylor Decker, 13th for the Texters. Steven, why did you have him seven? Consistent improvement over time. Consistency. I also looked at the, I guess we all just looked at PFF grades. It's this time around, but the consistency thing, that matters for me being able to consistently prove over the year. I didn't just look at it for the 2020 perspective. Now, obviously this was the best year that he's had since he's been in the league, but I looked at constant improvement, constantly one of the better guys at his position at an important position at, at that. So that's what I looked at more than just who was really good for 16 games. He got paid. He's making like $14 million a year, I think. He he is paid. He's not paid in the top level of tackles, but he's paid in the next level of tackles. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of those left tackles, the top, top, top end guys. And he's not quite that. I mean, he's not David Bakhtari for the, with Green Bay or Trent Williams or, or some of those top. He's not quite that. But he's right in the next group for sure. So like, okay, you play left tackle and you're like, between like the sixth and 12th best left tackle in the league. Like that's super important. And like, he's, he has been consistent and he's getting better. All right. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. Like that's good. I mean, I think Taylor Decker is, it would be easy. You know what? We all love skill guys. Right. I mean, like I can Steven, you don't have Garrett Wilson on your list. Do you like preemptively? Like if Garrett Wilson were in the NFL, so we love skill guys. It's easy to sort of forget offensive linemen. So the fact that Decker made it for all three of us, I think is good. Um, Steven, who did we you already give gave your nine, right? So correct. My next would be eight. Okay, who's your number eight, Steven? Terry McLaurin, who has clearly outplayed his drop pick already. I think, I mean, if, at this point, he's one of those wide receivers. If you could just get him a quarterback, his numbers might explode, which is, I mean. That, that's some of that's a lot of that's Dwayne Haskins fault. And I mean, Alex Smith is a, is a solid quarterback, but he's not the answer long-term there, but his numbers have, he's turned himself into a number one wide receiver in the league as a, a third round draft pick, uh, get him a quarterback and his num- numbers right, might explode. which seems like you said that about a lot of wide receivers nowadays, but yeah, he's number eight for me. Where did you have a uh, Terry McLaurin, Nathan? Yeah. Number nine, he was going to be my next guy. I mean, um, and again, I, I agree with what Steven's saying. In fact, when I, when I first started making my list, I was aware of him, but was thinking he would maybe be one of those guys that I talked about not making my top 10. And you look closer at the numbers, you look closer at the the grades, but also you just kind of think of the impact, um, what it would have meant for Washington to not have him as, as a playmaker in that offense this year. I think that kind of uh, maybe influenced my me a little bit too. So uh, I think he's a guy that, that's really interesting to see where he might be on this list in a couple of years. Cause I think he's, 
he's climbing. I think, and like Steven says, if they figure out the quarterback situation there, things get really interesting. Yeah, it's almost like you give him a little extra consideration because he doesn't have that kind of quarterback, right? That he is, uh, let's see, according to PFF. So he's not like a top 10 guy um, in his PFF grade, but he is held back a little bit by, again, it's not like it's, well, I mean, it kind of is Dwayne's fault. I mean, that that quarterback situation was kind of a mess in Washington this year. And if you give that guy somebody with a little more something to it, who knows what he can do? He was the 30th rated if you look at like receivers who really played, he was like 25th or so, 28th in PFF receiver grade, 1,118 yards. He's got good hands. He runs great routes. And then we all saw also the coverage during the year. Like they made him a captain, which again, like in the middle of the year, which like Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera. Yeah. Like, like it's funny that like Washington is, you know, Terry McLaurin and Chase Young are like the building blocks of the Washington football team. But Terry is that guy. I mean, that's what he was at Ohio State. I, you know, what he's doing now shows me again. I think maybe they they underutilized him a little bit at Ohio State. That if this was there, but he's really precise and he's a burner. Like he is a rare combination that he has that top end speed, but he is also like a possession receiver kind of guy in terms. I think of his precision and his technique and his routes and his hands. So uh, we're all around the same range here with Terry McLaurin. Um, Steven, you had him eight. The texters had him eight. Nathan had him nine and I had him seven. So I think we're all in the same range on this. So, uh, we have the 10, nine, eight for Steven. We're now to the eight. Nathan, who's your number eight? I think it's a guy that you were mentioning just a few minutes ago. It's Corey Lindsley, um, guy who had a, Again, another offensive lineman having a career year. He, he isn't a, a tackle, so that kind of factored into, I guess, the way I would split the difference between him and Decker. But um, a, a really strong season for a, a really strong team. I mean, a guy that that helped his team go out, and um, until the Buccaneers kind of made their surge late in the year, this was a team that people thought was going to get to the Super Bowl. Did you have Lindsley in your top ten, Stephen? I didn't because he doesn't necessarily play as important a position as tackle. He's right there, though. Yeah. I mean, he is he is right there. I also I danced around him and in the end did not put him in my top 10. But it is still amazing to me that he is Aaron Rodgers center. The Texers had him 12th. And I've told that story before. I mean, like I just did never thought as a young player that he would get to this point. And the career he's had is remarkable. And to be fair, this year he graded out as the highest graded center in the league. So uh, there are guys here. I think there's probably four or five positions in the NFL where a Buckeye is in the argument as the best guy at that position. And center is one of them. So I think, I don't know. I, I think it's possible that we maybe missed the boat by leaving Corey Lindsley out. In terms of overall PFF grade, again, he's at 89.9, number two among all Buckeyes in the NFL this year. So Putting him in the top 10 makes a whole lot of sense. Nathan did it. Steven and I did not. And that guy's been doing it for a long time. I mean, that is, you get in there, he's, he found the right spot and he's just done it year after year. But also like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is like a little bit of a, I don't know. I don't know. I've never talked to Aaron Rodgers. It's only what you read, right? But Nathan, like sometimes you read about Aaron Rodgers and it seems like he might be a little bit of a, 
not, I don't know, difficult guy to keep happy, right? That sometimes he's got a little edge to him sometimes. Or, and like, when perfectionist. you're the set, well, per, yeah, like a perfectionist. I, I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks are maybe not afraid to like let a guy know if it's like, hey, so like if you're his center for years, like you must be keeping him happy that Corey Lindsley, I, I think it's like almost like, not that he's his therapist, but right, Nathan, it's like you. If, if Aaron Rodgers didn't like his center, I think Aaron Rodgers would say, like, I don't like my center. And, like, he, I think he loves Corey Lindsley. Yeah, I think you're right. You, you, and I've seen it more as a guy who has sort of watched the NFC North um, and respects Aaron Rodgers a lot. I feel like I've seen it more in just these last few years where he has taken on this more of like a I, – I see some similarities between what he's trying to do and what um, – what we saw from Michael Jordan and last dance, like the kind of the way that he kind of tries to command the team and, and maybe he's a jerk at times, but he's trying to push people to a, and it, except with Rogers, I think it's more public and comes across maybe not in the right light. So, uh, but I, I agree with what you're saying that I think it takes us a, a kind of a special personality to mesh with that. And Lindsley seems to figure that out. And I will say that he has been doing this for a long time and it's been, he's been pretty consistently a solid player, but as you point out, this year was a jump. So I think if, if we did this list last year, he probably wouldn't be in my top 10 and he may not, he may, he may not be able to replicate this performance and stay in the top 10. But for this year, I thought there was arguably nobody that did his job better among Ohio state players than Corey Lindsley. Yeah, I always I like that argument. Do your job at a high level, right? And so, you know, maybe maybe center isn't defensive end or tackle or quarterback or whatever, but for what he was asked to do, he was the highest graded center in the league. So I think it's I think it's hard to argue with. And again, it's a credit to, you know, this is how many good buckeyes there are that Steven and I didn't have that guy in our top mm. ten. All right, so you guys both gave your number eight. I'll give my number eight, and I admit that this might be wrong. Um, this was a little tough. I'll be curious to see where you had this guy, but I have Ezekiel Elliott eighth. So I, you know, I think at his peak, he's higher than eighth. Uh, he was not necessarily at his peak this year, and I did factor that in. Um, a little bit. He averaged four yards per carry this season. That was the lowest of his career as a rookie in 2016. He averaged 5.1 yards, then 4.1, 4.7, 4.5, and then four this year. Now, of course, Dak Prescott gets hurt. That factors into it, of course. Um, ran for 979 yards this year. He ran for 1357 last year, 1434 the year before that, 1631 as a rookie. In his second year, 2017, he missed six games. So, this is at his peak. I just don't think Zeke was at his peak. And I don't, there are things around him that affected that like Dak Prescott, but I also, you know, the shelf life of running backs, uh, there are enough good players ahead of him that I was a little iffy here, but I felt kind of comfortable putting Ezekiel Elliott eighth. Steven, where'd you have him? Item six. Cause he's a top five talent. So you, I think you have to acknowledge that, especially among Buckeyes, but you're right. He, I mean, he wasn't good this year at all, but I, I and it's the shelf life for the running, but it's also, I think part of it, is he needs a good quarterback, but also that offensive line wasn't as good as we've known the Cowboys offensive line to be in past years where when you're a running back, especially you're kind of dependent on some other, some other personnel other than, you know, can you, you know, break one or two tackles and run one loop? I mean, ask Barry Sanders, <laughs> how, how valuable an offensive line is. So top five talent who both through his fault and through some things that necessarily aren't his fault, hasn't necessarily played like it. 
Nathan, where'd you have him? He was, he was a soft six for me too. And I actually, between Elliot Decker and Lindsley, I had those guys in different orders and kept switching them around. And I finally settled on this one. But again, like I was saying before, I didn't want to make this all about 2020. I think it was, it, it, can maybe push you one way or the other. I wanted to give respect for just the the level of production he's been coming with year after year after year after year. So is this was 2020 a, a blip for him where there's a dip and there are some other factors and does he bounce back and get back to that level he was at before? That I'm giving some respect to what he's already done. However, I will say on top of that, when you go back and look at just his grades, he's never like graded out like as some kind of a phenomenal talent, really. So and, and some of that is the way that running back is looked at in the NFL these days and the way maybe he's used in that system. So to me, it's it's a soft six. And there was there was no way he belonged in my top five. My top five were I thought easily had had separated themselves from the rest of this group. OK, uh, he was fifth with the Texters, which, again, I think is is right in the range. Um, let's go to my number six. We've we've heard. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. For both you guys, I've given my 10, 9, 8, and 7. So my 6 is Marshawn Lattimore. Um, He graded out his highest in his career as a rookie when he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. His PFF grade this year is the worst of his career. It's not very good, but he's still like a lockdown corner. And um, I wrote down Pro Bowls. He's made the Pro Bowl the last two years. So there are four guys from Ohio State who were named to the Pro Bowl this season, and Marshawn Lattimore is one of them. So Marshawn Lattimore is number six on my list. I still think, and like they made a lot of like his battle with Mike Evans and the Saints and the Bucks played three times this year, and like he's like a lockdown guy who shuts down Mike Evans. He's a lockdown corner, and his grade's not as high this year, but I still have him above Denzel because his peak, his peak in the league has been higher than what Denzel's has been so far. So Lattimore is six for me. Nathan, where do you have Lattimore? He's not in my top 10. Um, and I guess the reason why I maybe, I think his peak that you're talking about seems to be getting farther and farther and farther in the past. Whereas Ward, I think, is more consistently right now over these last two, three years playing at a higher level than Marshawn Lattimore is. Now that may be a hard thing to, I know what you're talking about with the Pro Bowls and stuff like that, but um sometimes other factors come into those, those sorts of votings too. So um, it, I, he was someone I considered, but didn't make my top 10. Steven. Yeah. Same, same with me. Best year was his rookie year by far. And not to go back to the chase point here, but to go back to it, it's part of the reason why I have chase 10th. It's that was awesome. What chase did this year, come do it again and come do it again. Come do it again. You can't have a drop off in the years, but no, yes, he's made the pro bowl, but he hasn't nearly been at that level where when you think of who are the top corners in the league, I don't know if Marshawn Lattimore is one of the six or seven first names out of your mouth. And right now I think chase is one of the six or seven defensive ends that come out of your mouth, but that needs to be the case the next four or five years down the road. This is one of those where I think there's some disconnect from the PFF grade, right? That to what you're saying, Nathan, it's like pro bowl voting sometimes is but also it's pro bowl voting i mean like maybe maybe there's some reputation involved there but to make the last two pro bowls i think he is borderline in that discussion when you think of lockdown corners in the nfl i think he's still in that discussion maybe he's not at the top of that discussion like he was a couple years ago but i think he's still there i think he has a rare combination of size speed and physicality um and i 
you know, I'm not going to pretend I watch the Saints every week. I don't know why his PFF grade isn't higher because his PFF grade, I mean, is not, it's not even close. It's in the 50s. 54.1 this year. I mean, there's, there's, a, bad. there's a gazillion yeah. guys. That's supposed to be like not even starter level if you're in the 50s. So it's like, well, he's a starter. We know that. So I don't know why all that is, but I still think he is, he is an elite player to me. So I gave him, uh, I don't know if it's benefit of the doubt, but I let that guide me a little more than the PFF grades. The textures also had him sixth, So that is one of those. Okay. That's one of those where we diverge because we're in the same ballpark on most of these guys, but you know, there are a couple guys I didn't have in. I thought, okay, well, who don't you guys have in? And Lattimore is the guy where we diverged a little bit. All right. We'll take a quick break here on Buckeye talk. We'll get back with our top five, the five best Ohio state Buckeyes of the NFL next on your favorite Ohio state podcast. All right, Nathan Baird, your five was Chase Young, right, Nathan? Correct. So, Stephen, we'll go to your number five. Who's your number five? My number five is Nick Bosa because he had nine sacks his rookie year, and he was looking awesome in the two games he was playing in before he tore his ACL, which means that let, that's a, that let me know that was going to continue. That wasn't a Marshawn Lattimore situation where his best year was his rookie year, and maybe he's not necessarily at that peak anymore. That was going to continue on, and – top five talent who continued to play like it early on in the season, even though he got hurt. I agree, which is why I have him third because I just like, I did not ding him for the injury because he like led his team to the Super Bowl as a rookie. Like that's how good he was. That's how much he changed the 49ers. And he was showing it all again in year two. People thought he was going to maybe like be a leading candidate for defensive player of the year this year. So I we at some point are going to have sort of a Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Chase Young discussion here. We're going to like split hairs a little bit on where we think those guys are. But I think there I mean, I think if Nick Bosa had played this year, he might be one. I think he had the chance, yeah. you know, so I had him. I just assumed he would have been good. And I had him three. Nathan, where did you have Nick Bosa? I had him four. very similar thinking to you that I wasn't going to ding him that much. Um, really at all for for losing that season to injury um, and, and I thought he debuted with a season even stronger than Chase Young did so then I that's why I had I felt like I had to keep him above Chase Young so we all have him above Chase Young I have Nick Bosa three Chase Young four Nathan you have Nick Bosa four Chase Young five Steven you have Nick Bosa five Chase Young ten so in our rankings of Ohio State, young Ohio State defensive ends in the league. We all have Nick Bosa ahead of Chase Young at this point. And and part of it is what have you shown? But also, I mean, Nick was Nick was special. Nick took took over a primetime game against the Browns. To me, it's not what what has Chase Young shown. It's what Nick Bosa has shown. Nick Bosa has already shown he's great. Like I, I it's not to me that I'm asking Chase Young to prove something. I'm recognizing what Nick Bosa has already proven. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty hard to argue with that. I, I think Nick's first year for a defensive end was as good as any defensive end has had as a first year player in ever, probably. I mean, what he did and that and that had a team effect. And it's not Chase's fault that Washington didn't have a quarterback and they went seven to nine, but they still did make the playoffs. But like you could see Nick changed the franchise. And then there was another other good stuff. Kyle Shanahan's a great play caller. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was good enough. They had some skill guys, but like Nick was the best player basically on a Super Bowl team. Having not having not played football in almost eight months. Yeah. 
And that's the thing too. Like, yeah, right. Devastating injury to end his college career. Devast not devastating. It's, I mean, it, they're both injuries he can come back from, but that he has had two of the last three years knocked out by injury. And the one year he did play, he was like unbelievable. You, you wonder about what's out there for Nick Bosa still. Okay. So that was Steven's number five. We've done Nathan's number five. So now my number five is Cam Hayward. And that might be low. This guy is unbelievable. He's been doing it for a decade. Um, his PFF grade is through the roof. It's 89.1. It's third highest among all Ohio State Buckeyes in the league. Uh, he's a multiple-time pro bowler. He's, he's one of four Ohio State pro bowlers um, this season. He's, he's unbelievable. And it is very possible that at five, I have Cam Hayward too low. Steven, where do you have Cam Hayward? He's three for me. Consi I mean, a decade long of, of being consistently good at his job, that he is the epitome of what, what we're talking about here and what Ohio State wants to develop his players into being. And that's you're a Pro Bowl level player over time. It's not just a little blip or a two or three year period. That, so he's three for me. Nathan? Two. And actually, any of my top three guys I thought had a case for number one, and I, I considered them all there. Uh, but he's number two on my list for all the things you guys are saying. I mean, I don't know if people realize as recently as 2019, I believe he had the single highest grade on PFF among all Ohio State players. Better than Michael Thomas in his record-setting season. Better than either of the Bosa's. Um, that that should tell you something. And I know it's it's interior defensive line, which isn't the same as defensive end, which arguably isn't even as impactful as maybe a wide receiver in the modern NFL. But he's doing it year in and year out. Not to that level, but this year, not much of a drop-off at all from that kind of stature. I mean, just just a, a consistently great player, an underrated player, not just in the NFL, but but um, probably, like you say, in our minds, among, among Ohio State players. I think his name doesn't come off people's tongues soon enough when they talk about the great ones in the NFL right now. I do think there, I think the perception of him, I completely agree. He's nine for our texters. So he's just not viewed, I think, the same way that Ezekiel Elias, Michael Thomas, the Bosa brothers, Chase Young are viewed, right? And I think that is partly the position he plays. But all, I mean, he's, I think it's mostly that, that he's just, he's not just a sack guy, right? I mean, he is a, an all around defensive lineman, but he's been a vital part of one of the most consistently winning franchises in the NFL for a decade. So, I mean, he is the, uh, one of the guys who was like the heart and soul of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I think, I think the, th I think the thing where I put him fifth is, and it's not even just based on age because, but if you said right now, you could have one of these guys on your team, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, or Cam Hayward, I would pick him fourth yeah. on that list. That's because fair. the impact that an elite edge rusher can make, is so transformative. And I think the two Boses and Chase are as good as anybody. And even like on Pittsburgh, if you said, would you rather have TJ Watt or Cam Hayward? I think you'd take TJ Watt, which is not anything against Cam. But I just think it's the top, 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 top end, right? Which is why splitting hairs, I have him fifth and not second or third or fourth. And those guys came in loud and immediately from the first snap prove that they were top five top ten at their position while I, I think some of it is cam Howard just being around for a while he just kind of you don't think about him as much as when you see you know chase young running for a touchdown or nick bosa you know waving a flag or joy bosa every single week every single week getting pressure on quarterbacks i just think the way those three came in 
at the positions they play, it's, it, it sticks in your head a little bit longer. I think, and because they were, be, and because they were doing it recently at Ohio State. I think Cam Hayward being two or three on a list like this is probably his peak. Not only because I don't know how much longer he can sustain that level, but also because you've got some guys like Nick Bosa, like Chase Young, like some of the other guys we haven't mentioned yet, who some of us may have had a spot lower, who are going to project to have even better stuff coming. Yeah, it might. Cam might keep being Cam, and somebody might pass him by being bonkers mm-hmm. good. Right. So I think that I think that's possible. Okay. So that was my five. We've done the five for you guys. My four is Chase Young. Nathan's four is Nick Bosa. So we need Steven's number four. My four is Malcolm Jenkins. It's kind of the same thing. Consistently good. Multiple teams. He's been consistently good here over time. Same category as Cam Hayward. Just a top five guy over time. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins is 11th for the Texters, so just outside the top 10. He won a Super Bowl in New Orleans early in his career. He won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia later in his career. Um, He – I don't know enough about this. I think he's in a Hall of Fame discussion. He is like a leader of two championship teams, and he's played at a high level for a really long time. And by the way, he's also kind of changing the game off the field with what he does from a social justice standpoint. I mean, he is a leading voice in the NFL. He is an incredibly impactful NFL player, and he's not in my top 10. Nathan, is he in your top 10? No, and and I, I respect this, the career he's had. I just feel like the peak of it is, it, again, a little bit in the distance for making my top 10. I mean, Stephen, if you honestly, if you were an NFL GM and you said next year you can have Malcolm Jenkins or Nick Bosa, you'd take Nick Bosa. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm not. Yeah. At peak, he's not as good as some of these guys, but I think the consistency has to matter here. Yeah. Okay. We just did a little differently. I'm saying like the best players. I, I went like the best players like on a football field right now, even at his peak. I don't know that Malcolm's peak was as high as a Bosa peak or a Michael Thomas peak or a Zeke peak. Um, you have to acknowledge the consistency and the long-term excellence, but I did not have a problem leaving off my top 10. Nathan, like I just, because he's on the backside, Nathan, like I just thought, well, he's a little bit on the backside and he's still a really good player. He still plays a ton of snaps. I mean, that's the one thing. It's not like he's not out there. He played a boatload of snaps His PFF grade, not quite as high. He played the second most defensive snaps of any Buckeye in the league this year. So like, like he, and he's, he's been in the league since 2009. So, I mean, that is an acknowledgement of that, but then, you know, he's not quite, um, he's not quite at that same, he's a 62.1 grade, which is higher than Marshawn Lattimore, who's in my top 10. But I just think a little bit more backside, Nathan. Yeah, and, and he was still even below some guys that I mean I don't know if we're gonna talk about guys who just missed our top ten, but um we there were still like there were still like two or three other guys that I would probably have put ahead of him, but still not put in my top ten. Okay, so we have our fours, all of our fours. Steven's three was Cam Hayward, my three was Nick Bosa. Nathan, who's your three? So this might be one of my more controversial decisions, but my three was Michael Thomas. And this is one where I'm not necessarily penalizing him for the injury and everything that happened this year, but there had to be some sort of separation between, again, three guys that I thought could easily go number one. Um, He probably would have been higher than number three on my list at the end of last season, 
But for this year, just the, I had to break those t- the, the tie at the top three, so I put him third. Um, but, I mean, again, another guy who is just um, – what, what else can you say? I mean, just <laughs> a consistently tremendous performer at, um, at his peak right now. I don't think it's unreasonable to say he had a weird year. Uh, he was hurt. He tried to play through injuries because he knew it was the last year for Drew Brees and he was trying to be out there for him. He also had an incident at practice that affected his season. He had like a really weird year, but before this year, he was like the best player in the NFL at his position at a premium position, which is why the Texters had him first. And he was so good previous to this. It's why I still had him first that this is, it was the just a funky year all around for this guy. And now, you know, we talked about Ezekiel Elliott not having Dak Prescott this year, maybe not having the same kind of offensive line that affecting him. Listen, Michael Thomas has also been playing with the Hall of Famer and Drew Brees since he got in the league, right? So that certainly helped him. It'll be interesting to see what Michael Thomas does when he has a different quarterback in New Orleans this year. But going back, this guy had been on an absolute upward trend, consistent but consistently getting better since he got in the league. As a rookie, 1,137 yards. Year two, 1245. Year three, 1405. Year four, 1725. And then now in year five, it was 438, only played seven games. And his touchdowns his first four years, 9599, didn't score a touchdown this year. So he's he's like the epitome of what a number one receiver in the NFL looks like. But Nathan, I totally get where you are on splitting hairs of like he if you base it on this year, he's not number one. I mean, nobody would dispute that. But so it's how you're bringing in the most recent year plus career and how you smush it together. Stephen, where did you have Michael Thomas? I'm number two for a lot of those same reasons you have to ding him because of the year, but you can't ding him too much because, as you just pointed, that guy has been one of the best wide receivers in the league since he entered the NFL without question. And you just, because when you look at those numbers, you just, if you, if he continues what he did before this season, you were going to look at that year and go, Oh, that was a weird year. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's fair to assume that, but I also think it's fair to like not put him number one right now because of it. I still did. The Texters still did. So the number three for Nathan, Michael Thomas, the number three for Steven was Cam Hayward. The number three for me was Nick Bosa. The number two for Steven is Michael Thomas. The number two for Nathan is Cam Hayward. And so then we get to my number two. Who is my number two? My number two is Joey Bosa. So that's, you know, a close call. Um, I put him just ahead of his brother. He had the highest individual PFF grade this year of guys um, above 90, 90.2. Pro Bowler again, I think you're splitting hairs a little bit on, on Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas. Again, both in the discussion. Here's the one thing about Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas at his peak was clearly the best guy in, his, in the league at his position. I don't think Joey Bosa is clearly the best guy in the league at his position because there are a big handful of top, top, top tier edge rushers, and he's in that mix. But if you are having a draft of edge rushers right now, I I don't think you'd pick Joey first. I don't think, but like you might, but he'd be in the mix. So that's where I had him two and Thomas one. Nathan, where'd you have Joey Bosa? He's my number one. 
And again, I, I see what you're saying about all those things, but I think if you were just drafting a team uh, from all the players in the NFL, I think you're drafting pretty far down the edge rusher list before you draft your first receiver. No, I think that makes sense. That, that if you were if you were saying, I want I want to win a game in the NFL tomorrow, or even I want to win a game in the NFL last year when Michael Thomas was at his peak, would you still take Joey Bosa on a draft list ahead of him and trying to win a football game in the NFL? I think you would take both Bosa's ahead of him in that in that case. And that's mm-hmm. again, that's not a that's not a knock against Michael Thomas. Um, it's just how important that position is. And and, and also Joey Bosa now, you had the one blip a couple of years ago where. Uh, Maybe he didn't have the, the, the same kind of year. Um, there he played seven games. Yeah. Right. Some injury situations there, too. So everybody has kind of been marred by that at some point. But you take that one year out of it, and he's just been just consistently tremendous and, and arguably had his best year this past year. Yeah, the two times he's played the full slate of games, he got the double-digit sacks. Obviously, this year he only got a chance to play in 12 games and started 10 of them. But 10 and a half sacks as a rookie, 12 and a half as his second year. And then the, the blip year where he only played seven games when he only had, only had five and a half and then 11 and a half last year when he had a full season. So yeah, more important position. And he's been, as we've already stated, one of the best players in the league at that position. And he's your number one also, Steven. Yeah. For those exact reasons. So for the texters, they had Michael Thomas one, Joey Bosa two. So uh, we wound up in very similar ranges here. I think we fit. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So we had, there were 12 guys who made up our top tens. So we differed on Nathan had Lindsley in the top 10. Steven and I did not. I had Lattimore in the top 10. You guys did not. Steven had Malcolm Jenkins in the top 10. Nathan and I did not. Otherwise we had the same guys and the texters were right there. Uh, with us in the same range. So to recap, Stephen, we'll start with you. Stephen, read your list, starting with number one, your top 10 guys, so people can make it and put it on a poster and hang it in their bedroom. Cool. Joey Bosa at number one, Michael Thomas at number two, Cam Hayward at number three, Malcolm Jenkins at number four, Nick Bosa at number five, Zeke Elliott at number six, Taylor Decker at number seven, Terry McLaurin at eight, Denzel Ward at nine, and Chase Young at 10. Nathan, your top 10. Number one, Joey Bosa. Number two, Cam Hayward. Number three, Michael Thomas. Number four, Nick Bosa. Number five, Chase Young. Number six, Ezekiel Elliott. Number seven, Taylor Decker. Number eight, Corey Lindsley. Number nine, Terry McLaurin. Number 10, Denzel Ward. And the Texters and I had the exact same top four, and we had the same top nine, just in a different order. The Texters top 10, Michael Thomas, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young four, Ezekiel Elliott, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, Terry McLaurin, Cam Hayward, J.K. Dobbins, 10th for the Texters, which is a guy that has not been mentioned. And we can, we'll discuss when we come back after the last break, we'll come back and discuss guys not in the top 10. My top 10, Michael Thomas, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Cam Hayward, Marshawn Lattimore, Terry McLaurin, 7, Ezekiel Elliott, 8, then Denzel Ward and Taylor Decker. Um, let's come back. There's a good group of guys that did not make the cut again because there's a lot of good Buckeyes in the NFL. And then I'll give you my team next on Buckeye Talk. Okay, so I want to discuss just a couple of the guys. I mean, on some of the research that I did, I'll give you the PFF rankings. Top 10 PFF rankings for Buckeyes this past season. Joey Bosa, one. Corey Lindsley, two. Cam Hayward, three. Chase Young, four. Taylor Decker, five. Michael Thomas, even in the limited amount he played, was still number six. Terry McLaurin, seven. Curtis Samuel, 
not on our list, was number eight. Draymond Jones, not on our lists, number nine. Denzel Ward, 10. J.K. Dobbins, 11. Bradley Roby, interesting, number 12. And Von Bell, number 13. Von Bell almost made it for me. Von Bell led, when I said Malcolm Jenkins was second in defensive snaps among Buckeyes, Von Bell was first. Von Bell started his career with the Saints, was a big-time signing by the Bengals, played for a bad team, um, but he he was on the field constantly and graded at a really high level. Steven, Von Bell, he's not – I think he's a shade under, like, pro bowler. He is, like, a really consistent, good NFL player you want on your team. Which is, when you're making a list like this, what makes it hard, the fact – what you started that sentence off with. He's not a pro bowler, but he's a really good player. And – a lot of the guys on our top 10 list are pro bowlers. And so you're taking off outside of Malcolm Jenkins, who obviously at the later stage of his career, but your eyes, you already mentioned is still leading the league in, in snaps. You're taking off a pro bowler for a guy who's just pretty good, which is a place where Ohio state can be at, where you don't have to take the guy who's just pretty good, but yeah, pretty quality player. And while we're on the topic of safeties, I want to discuss Jordan Fuller, who as a sixth round pick just was on the field constantly for the Rams and looks like he's going to be one of those guys who's just going to be like, oh, yeah, he played safety for 12 years. And I don't know that that's what I thought Jordan Fuller um, was going to be. He played the fifth most snaps among defensive Buckeyes in the NFL. Von Bell, Malcolm Jenkins, Marshawn Lattimore, Jerome Baker, and then Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller, certainly, Nathan. I think it affected our view. We saw how the Buckeyes struggled without Jordan Fuller. And then we saw, oh, he went and was ready for the NFL right away as a rookie, as a rookie starter. I think it reassessed our opinion of exactly how good Jordan Fuller is. Yeah, not not someone I was considering for a top 10 spot on a list like this yet, but someone that you definitely have an eye on for what he could be as he grows over time. And that's that defense um, is strong. I think that's going to be a really interesting team to look at in the next couple of years, especially now that they have Stafford and, and what's growing there. Um, uh, an interesting team to follow for the next few years. And he, he, especially, I'm, I am very curious how he develops at this next level, because again, as much as we want to give him credit for how great he was as a senior, I also think he wasn't considered that great until he was a senior, right? Like that, that senior year also changed the way Ohio state players looked at his Ohio state career, let alone looking at it in, retrospect and that's the thing i think every week that he played and every week ohio state played we saw just how valuable he was to ohio state last season when we were looking at the safety situation in 2020 yeah no i agree i think that i think that makes a lot of sense jk dobbins somebody 10th on texter lists frankly a little high right a, a, a little high we get that i think it's premature i think he's he might be the guy that i didn't rank in the top 10 that i think has the best chance to jump into the top 10 yeah. next year now he's the he's the running back in well in that room of the deep room of running backs well they eased him in they let the so the ravens eased him in with mark ingram and gus edwards yeah. they let mark ingram go it's gonna be jk's job you can look jk at the beginning of the year his carries in the first couple games seven two one five one nine that's into their bye week and then after that his carries 15 12 5 15, 11, 13, 14, 11, 13, and then the playoffs, 9 and 10. Last regular season game, he had 13 carries for 160 yards and two scores. The first playoff game against Tennessee, 9 carries for 43. The second playoff game against Buffalo, 10 for 42. It's going to be the Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins run game 
in Baltimore mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. It'll be really interesting to see how JK plays off of Lamar Jackson, but I did it. And I think I said this before in this podcast in watching, and I think the chiefs took Clyde Edwards Alaire because of his pass catching ability. And JK still is not a great pass catcher. He's a better player than Clyde Edwards Alaire. I mean, I just watched Clyde Edwards Alaire, who was the, the last pick in the first round. JK was middle of the second round. He's not as dynamic as JK. Like JK is a more dynamic guy running the ball in the NFL. And I think sometimes that hurt Kansas City this season is that their run game didn't scare you as much. And so I, I think I think JK's got a shot. Um, I agree with you, Nathan, that that's a guy not there now, not there now, but has a chance to maybe really do something. Malik Hooker's another guy. I mean, I hope he gets healthy and can have the, be the kind of player's top 15 NFL pick that we think he can be. Paris Campbell, another guy on the Colts, just had some injuries. Nathan, in training camp, people were really talking about Paris Campbell. I'm still a little unsure about Paris in the NFL, but if they use him the right way, that's a guy maybe who's got a chance to pot, Nathan. Uh, yeah, and I don't. I really, I don't even know that it's the usage. It's a question. I think it's his health. Like he's just been, it's just been one thing after another, right? Like you, it, it all, all sorts of maladies that he dealt with his, his rookie year. And then he's having this great camp and then he gets in like a traffic accident or something. Um, it just seems like he's been snake bit and it's something else comes up every week or he can't have like three good weeks in a row before something else happens. So he's, he's got to just get through a season healthy. I want to see what he does with a healthy season. And then two corners, Steven, that, Two first-round corners for the Buckeyes. Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett were not in this discussion at all, the way Chase Young was in this discussion. Uh, Jeff Okuda, I just it was a rough year in Detroit. I think – I don't know exactly what happened. He didn't play a ton of snaps. He played 460 snaps. Again, you compare that to, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore played 871. So, I mean, he's playing half as much. He's, and then Damon Arnett, 343 snaps, had a role with the Raiders um, – I think he got hurt even. I'm not sure. I'm skeptical. I was skeptical. I'm skeptical about Damon Arnett as a frontline NFL player. Okuda, I just think, needs a little bit of a reset. I just think, you know, the coach is getting fired. Everything in Detroit is a mess. But, Steven, I'm very curious. I think Jeff Okuda, again, when I say Marshawn Lattimore, that's what I thought Jeff Okuda could be the next Marshawn Lattimore. Um, I expect that'll get straightened out, but also it needs to get straightened out, right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, the, the lines are a mess, but also I think he started the season off with an injury, so he didn't necessarily get off to the best start that you would want from a corner who's now going to come in and you're asking him to follow around some of the best receivers in the country and in the, the, the league. So that didn't help his chances right there. I think reset on the year, but also him getting a fresh start with mini camp and training camp and all that and coming in healthy will help his we'll – probably, we'll probably see a better Jeff Okuda in, in year two of the NFL. Damon Arnett, I mean – that's why we didn't think he should be a first round draft pick is what we saw this year. Cause when you're a first round draft pick, we're expecting you to at least be the best guy in the room or second best guy in your room. And he's not that. He also, his season ended early. They shut him down Correct. because of a groin injury. I mean, if that had been following him throughout the season, you can imagine trying to play corner with the groin injury in the NFL, especially as a rookie. So he, yeah, he's definitely someone that um, it was a disappointment, but I also think there's reason for optimism that he could probably turn that around. All right, uh, John Simon played a lot. Sam in uh, New England. Sam Hubbard had a pretty good year. Sam Hubbard had a pretty good stinking year uh, with the Bengals. Jonathan Hankins back in the league had a good year. Jalen Holmes had a solid year. Again, Bradley Roby good year. Kendall Sheffield still around. Tyquan Lewis had a pretty solid year. Malik Harrison didn't play quite as much in Baltimore. Uh, only two hundred sixty-five snaps, but I think he'll continue to have a bigger role uh, as he moves along. Um, Noah Brown still hanging around with the Cowboys. 
Austin Mack got a little taste. KJ Hill got a little taste this year. Paris had the injury. Ted Ginn Jr. Still hanging on a little bit. Had a couple snaps in the league this year. Nick Vanette at tight end is like the tight end that's in the league for the Buckeyes right now still. Um, Jonah Jackson, we got to mention, didn't grade out real high, 57.1, over a thousand snaps. He's a starting guard for the Lions as a rookie, as a third round rookie. Like, again, didn't grade out real high, but like Nathan, Jonah Jackson started as a rookie in the NFL pretty darn good. Yeah. And, and offensive line tends to be a, a, as it is in college, I feel like it's a developmental position in the NFL a little bit. So he had to play a lot on a bad team right away. But I, I, I'm intrigued by that, you know, to, to grade even at a, at a low score, but to get all of that experience, I think it, it's going to be interesting to look at this list three or four years. Maybe he's in that kind of Corey Lindsley, Taylor Decker conversation being an, an offensive lineman that can make a top 10 like this. The five Buckeyes who were like solid, true starting linemen in the league this year were Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Andrew Norwell, who has played at a Pro Bowl level at times, got a huge contract, was big time paid as a guard. Uh, Corey Lindsley and Michael Jordan, also in Cincinnati. Pat Elfline, cut by Minnesota in the middle of the year, wound up with the Jets. He's been a, a guy who's been a starter. I think he might still end up finding a role um, in New York. Jamarco Jones, still in the mix. And then Billy Price, who's had some struggles as a first-round pick in Cincinnati and hasn't quite popped yet. The last guy I want to talk about, though, is Curtis Samuel. I think the league has still not figured him out. And I think they might be on the edge of starting to figure him out. Again, he had a really high PFF grade um, this year. One of the 10 best PFF grades. He's still a hybrid. 77 was his PFF grade eighth among the Buckeyes. They're still not sure, but they threw it to him more this year. He had 77 catches this year. That was a career high 851 receiving yards. That was a career high. He also ran it 41 times career high had 200 rushing yards, career high. So I I mean, he is what he is at Ohio State, which is like he's a slot receiver who if you need him to be the tailback in the Michigan game, you can move him to tailback and give him the ball 20 times, which there are not – I know there are a lot of pass-catching backs in the NFL, but this guy is like actually a receiver who then can go back and play tailback. I think if you get him to the right situation – where a coach really understands what he is, I think he can maybe be kind of unlike any guy in the league. And perhaps the problem is, or maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe the guy in the league that he's most like is the guy he's behind in Carolina, which is Christian McCaffrey, which is like they use McCaffrey as a do everything kind of guy. So it's like, well, we don't need two do everything guys unless they do, unless they figure that out and make it the McCaffrey and Samuel show. But he was top 10 among Buckeyes and PFF grade. Steven, and I, I think there is a lot more there for Curtis Samuel. He was a second-round pick, and I just still think the NFL hasn't figured out the best way to use him yet. He needs a creative offensive play caller, I think, just to unlock some of that stuff. And I don't know if Carolina necessarily, especially since they have McCaffrey, is the answer to that question. Joe Brady, baby! You don't believe in the Joe Brady Genius. I mean, LSU offensive uh, coordinator. Listen, college NFL, that's the same league, Joe Brady. That's two different levels of creativity you got to bring to the table. I think maybe it's Joe Brady. If he can, if he can find a way to use Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel to their, I mean, obviously it's easy to use Christian McCaffrey to his full potential. He's the best running back in the league. But if you can find a way to unlock that and be a little bit more creative with it, especially after they get a quarterback maybe this year, or maybe Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the, the answer. But if they can get a quarterback and then a more, and then be a little bit more creative on offense. They might be able to unlock something with him. And then he might be a fantasy monster. If so he's take, 
if you Go take ahead. Curtis Samuel's last eight weeks and turn him into a full season, it would have been Bingo. 96 catches for 1,178 yards. He almost made my top 10. Like he was, he was tremendous. He had 300 yard receiving games over the past, uh, in like the last four or five weeks, I think. Um, well, the last two games and then um, like the eight, the eighth game of the season, he had 100 yards. But like just really strong down the stretch for that team. And I, I, I think he's, he's, he is, like you said before, I think they're starting to figure something out with him. And a lot of that, though, came with McCaffrey out. Right. That's the key. Can you do it with both of them out there? Well, and he's a free agent. And so it's that time of the year in the NFL where if you Google Curtis Samuel right now, his name comes up because every local NFL site is writing like, who might their team sign? I mean, we do it with the Browns. And everybody is writing about Curtis Samuel because he's this unique guy with upside who hasn't topped out. And I'll give you one of the headlines. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Could Urban Meyer try and lure Curtis Samuel from the Panthers? So it's like, oh, I got a guy who knows how to use like a slot slash tailback slash dynamic dude jags got a load of cap space and i I, if you're going to pretend like hey urban meyer's strategy to win in the nfl to just sign former buckeyes i mean that's not how what it's going to be this might be the one this might be like if you're saying like hey give me a buckeye that makes the most sense going to play for urban i might put curtis samuel at the top of that list because urban might be a guy who knows exactly what this guy can do and will have the way to unlock him in the league Here's my team. This is not anything that anybody listening to this couldn't do on their own um, because it just presents itself. But it's nice to uh, outline it and make you realize how good this team might be. All right. Defensively, the all Buckeye NFL team. I'm playing Chase and Joey at defensive end. I'm sliding Nick inside because I'm not like I'm going to rotate the ends. I got to play them even though this is putting Draymond Jones on the bench. So I'm doing like a Rushman package. I got Cam and Nick Bosa inside. So my, my defensive line is Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Cam Hayward, Chase Young. So you're never blitzing. You're just going to send No, I don't need more. a blitz. No. I might just rush two and drop two of those guys into coverage every play. Uh, I got Denzel and Marshawn out wide in coverage, but also you could put Bradley Roby out there. You could put Kendall Sheffield out there. You put There's a bunch of dudes you could put out there. Linebacker is actually a little light. Linebacker's actually light. And tragically, I mean, Ryan Shazier would be the best guy here if, if Ryan Shazier's career hadn't been ended by his injury. So shout out to Ryan Shazier, who was a tremendous NFL player. Jerome Baker and then Malik Harrison and Raekwon McMillan. Raekwon has had a little bit of a rough go in the NFL, only 100 snaps, 170 snaps this year. But that's about the, the pickings are a little slim at linebacker for the Buckeyes. Von Bell and Jordan Fuller at safety. If you want to play Von Bell and Malcolm Jenkins, that's fine. I mean, maybe Von Bell and Malcolm Jenkins is better than Fuller, but good options, good options there at safety, right? That's a good defense. Steven, is that a good defense? You take that defense in the NFL? That defense could probably win a division, maybe even 12, 11, 12 games, and at minimum should get to a conference championship game. I mean, honestly, if you're moving Nick Bosa inside, you're going to play a Rushman package. Wouldn't you maybe then also just drop a linebacker and play it? and nickel and just use one of these other defensive backs. Yeah. Time. Yeah, maybe that could be, I could play Bradley Roby or Kendall Sheffield and take one of those linebackers off the field. And just play. Yeah. Four, two, just five. Tell, just tell one of them to bulk up a little bit, put 10 pounds on and then you could put, then you could put a pull in the NBA. In the NFL. I, 
But I'm not moving one of those ends inside out of necessity. It's because how are you going to keep a, one of the Boses or Chase Young off the field? But if yeah, you right. if you feel like, oh, we got to play two tackles. All right. Well, I got Draymond Jones. I got Jonathan Hankins. I got you got out along with with uh, Cam Hayward. I, I mean, I got a lot of options there. Or do you um, think or do you think Chase is enough of a freak that you can play a three, four? I hate three, four. I'm not playing a three, four, but I get what you're saying. You can play two ends and two outside linebackers and get four rush. Right. I mean, like, yeah, there's. You could do some stuff. You'd find a way. And by the way, this is not an 11 or 12 win defense. It's like a 15 and one defense. <laughs> if you're going by defense for real, name me a team in the league that has three pass rushers on the field, like the Bosa brothers. Oh, I'm saying, listen, and then things also happen. Cam Hayward. Things happen. You no, know, maybe no. And then two lockdown corners, two lockdown corners with that. I mean, pass rush and coverage. That's what it's all about. I'm not worried about it. Offensively is, is, is a little liffier. My offensive line is Taylor Decker at left tackle, Andrew Norwell at left guard, Corey Lindsley at center, Jonah Jackson at uh, at right guard. That's solid. That's four solid dudes. The second tackle gets a little iffy. I'm playing Jamarco Jones there. I mean, there's not really like a second tackle that jumps out. Receivers, awesome. I got McLaurin and Thomas outside and Samuel in the slot. Anybody going to do better than that? Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin as your top two receivers and Curtis Samuel as your wrinkle? We're good. We got Zeke. We got Zeke, JK backing him up in the backfield. Nick Vanette at tight end. And then we just need a trigger man. I mean, Dwayne, it's like Dwayne. We just need the most important position yeah. in the game. Well, I we mean, just... that's the, which loops all back around to Justin Fields can still change the game here. You, we got to play Dwayne. At least Dwayne's an option. There was a time where it was like, well, who's your quarterback? Uh, Tom Tupa? I mean, like, there's not one. Right. So now at least there is one. You know, Troy had his cup of coffee, but like, they're. You know, are you Braxton Miller, who's a receiver in the NFL, or Terrell Pryor, who's a receiver in the NFL? Are they your quarterback? At least Wayne's an NFL quarterback. But Justin, I mean, Justin's going to be a top 10 pick. Give Justin this offense and let him go as a rookie, Steven. I'm good to go, right? Yeah, just tell him the game manage. Get the ball out of his hands quick. Don't get stuck on a read. Just throw it to whoever you see open. And look, all you got to do is put up 21 points a game because your defense isn't giving up more than seven. But Nathan, when you think about Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, and Terry McLaurin as your three top skill guys, I mean, is, that's as good as anybody in the league, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's just a question of um, does that line, you know, that line is solid. Is it good enough? Right now, would that line and that skill position be good enough to overcome a real deficiency at quarterback? And then maybe it also depends on who's coaching this team. Because you haven't picked a coach for this 22. Which Urban Meyer. Meyer. It has to be Urban okay, Meyer. Okay, but that's what I'm saying, though. Because Urban Meyer might be able to fix Dwayne Haskins for a year. No, no, no. We're just going to – no, we're just going to draft Justin. Yeah, we probably draft yeah. Justin. We probably yeah, trade – we might trade some uh, – we might trade uh, – well, I'm not going to trade any of the defensive guys. I don't know. There's there's some depth maybe we can trade to move up in the draft to make sure we get Justin if we need to. Although if it's – we're putting him on the Jags. Give Urban all these players on the Jags. And then give him the first round pick and make him take Justin instead of Trevor because it's yeah. all Buckeye team. I think that'd be fair. Again, this makes me want to put this on Madden and see how many wins they would actually. Matter of fact, I don't I'm going to do lose. next weekend. I'm going to do it next weekend. I mean, like the, the the defense is so overwhelming. I don't know. I mean, it's just going to be one of those things. Chase Young and both Boses. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you lose. But but again, but the skill you have enough skill, more than enough skill on offense to do the same thing. So that's kind of fun. It's a good team. Again, Alabama and LSU could do the same kind of thing. I don't. I don't know that anybody else could. I don't think Clemson would be at the level. I don't think Texas or USC, with where things are now, would be quite there. Oklahoma is not going to be at that level. 
None of the Florida schools, I don't think, are going to be at that level. I think Bama, LSU, and Ohio State are the three teams that could do something like this, which, again, the fact that a Michigan a Michigan quarterback just won his seventh ring, you know, it's like, all right, well, we made a whole Ohio State team <laughs> to see if they well, could beat the Michigan guy. Then it would be interesting to look. Like, I think the other, the other 21 positions for Michigan would obviously not live up to Ohio State's, but would that one make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd you'd be scraping a little bit on Michigan. I mean, if someone wants to do a Michigan team, I think you might like need to pull Charles Woodson out of retirement for the Michigan team. Like, I just don't think there's enough. In the, the other, the other team, the other twenty-one positions for like Purdue wouldn't stack up. But Drew Brees is pretty great, so it's like then how much of a difference does that end up making? Well, I'd say it's Wisconsin. If you give what if you give right. Wisconsin Russell Wilson, I mean that's been the thing yeah. that it's like there are elite big 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. They're just not Ohio state quarterbacks. Yeah. Except all the big 10 teams have great quarterbacks and they suck at all the other positions. Ohio state has great other positions and they suck at quarterback. I wonder, it almost makes me want to do a big 10 all-star team versus an Ohio, a big 10 NFL all-star team versus an Ohio state NFL team. And who would win that? And you have to have had played like in Kung Su doesn't count because he didn't actually play in the big 10. So, but like guys who played in the big 10 at other schools, they'd be stacked at quarterback. And then I, I'd be curious. Well, maybe we'll do it. It kind of makes I me want to know. I think we should do win it. that game. So, all right, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text at six, one, four. Listen, I, you guys know the text. We'll put some days. We'll push it harder than others. Six, one, four, three, five, Oh, three, three, one, five. We're doing off season stuff. Keeps a little Buckeye knowledge, a little Buckeye fun in your phone every day. Um, we'll see what happens with Al Washington. We didn't talk about it on this pod. You know, the report over the weekend that Tennessee was targeting him to be the defensive coordinator. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU for info on that. And as soon as we hear no, whatever, anything on Al Washington, you get it right in your tech. So this is a good time. It's not just a news service. It's news and analysis and fun, but it also, you get it immediately, right? You don't have to go looking for it. If you're living your life and you want to know what's up with Al Washington, 14-day free trial, 614-350-3315. This is what we're planning for the Big Wednesday pod. 2023 depth chart. So two seasons from now, which is a fun way to exercise your brain. It's a fun way to talk about recruiting without only talking about recruiting. And I'm going to look back. I'm sure we did this several years ago where we did a depth chart like two seasons out or two and a half seasons out. And I'll try to go back and find that and then see how accurate we were which will give us some range. And this will be good. This will give us a pod, a podcast topic two years from now, Nathan. You're going to do this chart, and then two years from now, we'll go back and say, oh, Nathan Baird, uh, he quit to uh, start his own taco stand in Columbus. But now the new guy on Buckeye Talk will say, oh, this Nathan guy, let's see how his depth chart actually worked out two years later. Um, if you quit to run it, if you quit Buckeye Talk to do something else, would it be to run a taco stand or what would it be? You I don't think it would be to, to run. I don't even think if I was doing it for cuisine reasons, I don't think it would be tacos. What would it be? I, I uh, there used to be a uh, so my favorite my, my my favorite food is either like barbecue kind of southern cuisine or Indian food. And there was a place in, on the south side of Chicago called Rajan Cajun, which was like an Indian soul food place. And I would love to like franchise that and like take that idea and like do something with it. I like it. I think franchising, we all think about that, right? Everybody thinks about like, oh, I love this restaurant. What if I help franchise it? Because you see, and like Columbus is like the perfect market for that. Nathan. Yeah. 
Make your dreams a reality. I know your dream is to get off this freaking podcast. Are you convincing him to quit his job right now? (laughs) Is that what we're doing? (laughs) That's how we're closing this out? Yeah. Nathan, this was a good podcast. You should quit. Welcome back to the Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Doug and Steven, Nathan is gone. He took took our advice and he was like, you know what? Seize the day. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening. For Nathan, for Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. (laughs) 